the final hour on a Friday for us. St. Patrick's Day and the weekend is right around the corner. No better way to send us off than Shai Davidi, our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. It's our guy, Shai Davidi. How's it going this morning? I'm all right. How are you guys? We're doing well. This is always our favorite interview of the week. Not just because it's you, but because it's it's wrapping up a week of good talk on the radio. <laughs> the the send-off interview. Yeah, so better make a good, no pressure. Okay, Shai. So right. um, you've been at the World Baseball Classic, I believe. Um, I was. Consuming it all and seeing it up close and personal. I know Canada had... Uh, a win-and-in scenario, which they fell short on, um, a little bit uh, lopsided score. Um, but if we're trying to evaluate the entire tournament or the entire performance of Canada at the World Baseball Classic, uh, what are some words that come to mind? Promise, I think, is one that jumps out to me, right? Because, like, you think about the 2017 tournament, that was definitely the end of a generation. And... Yes, this Canadian roster was stripped down a little bit, and they had some. I mean, they quite literally pulled one dude off the farm and Philippe Beaumont and, <laughs> and and had him pitching in it. And you know, John Axford came back, and Adam Lowen came back, Scotty Matheson, and Andrew Albers. But you think about who, in a lot of ways, carried this team. I mean, Tyler O'Neill is the you know the captain Canada of a new generation. Uh, Edward Julien was uh, really impressive. Otto Lopez was impressive. Oh, and Casey was impressive. Mitch Bratt, even though it was a terrible start, I mean, he's going to be good. Uh, there's a, a number of young players that you see coming. You're like, all right, now if you combine this with, you know, Cal Quantrill and next time maybe Mike Soroka's healthy and James Paxton and Jameson Tyon and Nick Pavetta and Jordan Romano and Rono, if they can get more of those guys out, then, you know, you've really got something. So, I think promise jumps to mind. I think they really maxed out on the group that they had. They got basically everything they could out of it. And, you know, they were just, they were in a tough pool. You know, that Mexico team is really good. The American team is quite obviously really good, Mm. Uh, but they took care of business uh, against great, against a great Britain team that definitely punched above its weight and uh, a very solid Columbia team as well. So promise is really great because I think the potential there for next tournament might be something that they can build on. If you're a Canadian, you saw, you know, some of the young guys, the culture that might be around Canadian baseball right now. Do you think this makes any sort of an impact on future decisions to represent Canada at the world baseball classic? I mean, you'd hope so. Right. Mm -hmm. And look, I think for me, I think one of the most important developments in this tournament is just the way Mike Trout is talking about his experience. Right. So even before the tournament, he talked about how he felt like he was missing out watching the American team in 2017. And then he keeps saying, like, how this is more fun than he thought it would be and how much he's enjoying himself. And if Mike Trout is saying, you know, like, you know, one or one or one, a best player in the game is saying, like, this is awesome. Like everybody else is going to be like, well, if Trout can do this why not me? And like, do I want to miss out too? And I think that's what's really happened every time. But you know, perhaps critically, it's happening more amongst American players. Uh, but, you know, maybe some, some of the Canadian players who look and, and see, the, see the way that this team performed and uh, some of the joy that they had playing. And then, you know, then knowing that it's younger players who are still just 
really breaking in, you know, that, that are, they're going to be a lot better in, in four years' time. You could say, oh, maybe there's a bit of a core here. Maybe that helps. So uh, I think that would certainly be the hope that, you know, the, the Canadians who didn't, uh, who sat this one out. And, and some, let's be fair, some of them, it's insurance reasons, right? Joey Votto wanted to play. Uh, is he, he couldn't be insured, and so he was ineligible. So it's not just, uh, you know, there's injury, there are injury concerns, but the guys who, who weren't able to be there this time, uh, who could have been, you know, maybe that, that sways their mind for next time. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the American roster. Like, it's hard not to look at that and say, wait, there's why does anyone have an excuse? I mean, that is a stacked lineup. Those are big names. Those are guys putting aside their team for a moment to represent their country. And I think that's a real, real thing that they can build on and use to uh, help incentivize this moving forward. But for every Mike Trout, Al, there's an Edward Diaz uh, and crashing back to reality and the reality of losing a guy who just became the highest paid closer in, in league history uh, to a celebration injury. What, when weighing those two things, though, like what's stronger, Trout's presence, Trout's buy-in, or what happened with Edwin Diaz? Oh, it, it's, it's totally Trout's presence, right? Like the, the Edwin Diaz thing, like it's awful. Like, great player, obviously, someone like great personality for the game. It's, it's a huge blow. But this is a freak, freak thing. And if you're going to let a freak incident that could have happened when, you know, you're celebrating a walk-off spring training win or something along those lines, like, that, that can't impact the future of the tournament. And, look, the, the, this event, many opponents, a lot of them are GMs and, and people in baseball front offices, will certainly jump at this and say, oh, this is another reason why we shouldn't do it. But I, I think there's so much unfair criticism of this tournament where people want to make perfect the enemy of good. And I just don't understand that anybody watching this tournament can say, you know what, I don't want this in March. I would rather watch Cactus League and Grapefruit League Baseball. Like, this is such a great event, and if you just take it for what it is and understand its limitations and just say, this is just really fun baseball for a couple weeks in March once every three, four years, then what is the problem with this? And if you're uh, the opponents of, of the event and the detractors of it, of which there are many for some reason, they'll jump on this and say, oh, this is a reason why we shouldn't. But for every Edwin Diaz, there are countless other mm. terrific stories that have emerged from this. And, you know, I, I, I just hope that because this isn't an injury in the New York market, that it doesn't get more oxygen than it would have been if this was the Milwaukee Brewers closer, if Diaz was a Milwaukee Brewers closer. Uh, and then suddenly it, it, nobody cares as much. You know what I mean? Certainly. I mean, it, it can be seen as a fluke injury and, and him and Freddie Freeman with the their tweaks or, or their massive injuries is not a great look, but you're right. There's a lot of great stories that come out of this. And I actually wonder what, what your favorite was. You mentioned someone coming off the farm, um, someone that's 40 year old pitcher. I'm partial to yeah. the farm well, story. Myself. There might be more uncovered there. He was broke his, but he broke his tail when playing um, beer league. Beer league like hockey, yeah. this is so Canadian. I'm sure you uncovered some really great stories getting to spend some time with that team. Uh, we, we talked to Tyler Neil before the tournament he sound like an absolute uh, beast in the gym is there something that really stands out to you when you look at um, being there and being able to talk to the Canadian team and maybe some stories that you got to uncover well I, I think talking to Philippe Omont uh, you know, I remember we were talking to him after his outing and I you know it said to him oh like you just 
you just threw 92 today? Like, you've been down? He's like, yeah. He's like, and I, and I wasn't throwing three months because I broke my tailbone. And I was just like, I'm like, what? You know, you're just, it's just complete shock uh, that this guy, I mean, it tells you what kind of a freakish athlete he is uh, and just, just how strong he is that he's throwing 92 after basically shutting it down for about a month because, uh, because he fractured his tailbone. But uh, to me, I think the, the, the coolest story was watching Adam Lowen uh, you know, get some outs against the Americans, you know, coming back, you know, he, he left the game at, after the 2018 season to take care of his wife who would become sick. And he ended up losing her, was raising, raising his kid, raising their kids to get um, at that time uh, in the time apart. And then, you know, he, he decides, let's give this one more go. And, you know, he was, he doesn't have his, the stuff that he has had to, but this is someone who's battled a lot throughout his, his career. He came up as a pitcher, blew out his elbow, came, came, got back to the majors as a hitter, uh, and then decided to give it one more go as a pitcher when his arm got healthy again, uh, and made it back to the majors a third time. Uh, and then to, to have that moment where, you know, he's able to strike out Kyle Tucker, he's able to walk off the mound, uh, having just gotten two outs against one of the, the best teams the world baseball classic has seen, you know, that, that that's pretty cool stuff. And, you know, it's a moment that he'll be able to share with his kids, with his family, uh, after enduring a lot of hardship and, you know, that, that's, that's the kind of story, you know, tucks it, tugs at your heartstrings a little bit and, and makes you feel good. Yeah. Really awesome. I mean, in the absence of all the pitchers that weren't able to get there, like maybe you'd prefer that, but it does open the door for some of the great stories. Uh, Oma and, uh, Lowen being one of them, or two of them, rather. Um, okay, let's spin it forward here. Look at uh, the rest of the tournament. Uh, Puerto Rico and Mexico play tonight for a chance to go to the semifinals, awaiting the semifinalists, or awaiting the uh, quarterfinalists, I guess I should say. Cuba and Japan have already punched their ticket into that round. I'm curious about this Japan team, though, because they've been playing in Japan uh, until this point. Now they're traveling over, and they're going to have to play semifinal games against really good teams do they just inherently have like a big disadvantage here or is that maybe I'm making too big of a, an issue with that? Well, I mean, is it, is it a disadvantage or is maybe equalizing for a bit of a weaker talent pool? Like you think about like the depth in that, uh, you know, pool C in Miami where, you know, you had that group of death with Venezuela, Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. And it's crazy to think of the DR not advancing. And then you've got, that pool C with you know, the uh, the states, Mexico, uh, Canada, Colombia, like some good baseball countries there, and you know Japan. You know Korea was over there; they didn't advance. You have the the pool A, where five teams ended up tying two and two, uh, which was wild. But it, it's not the same caliber of player, right? Uh, so, so maybe Japan has a little bit clearer a path into uh, into the semis uh, as opposed to some of the teams on this side, but. Look, I think the best thing about Japan coming over is that you know Shohei Otani is going to be going to be we're going to be able to see him uh, on this stage, and you know hopefully the Angels are competitive and we can finally see Trout and Otani in in the postseason. But you know the the World Baseball Classic, like some sort of epic clash between Trout and Otani in a meaningful game of the WBC, may be the best of what we got. So, you know, I think, yeah, maybe it's a they have to fight some jet lag and things of that nature. But, you know, they've got a few days to recover from that. They're professional athletes. They should be able to figure it out 
And, uh, you know, I think on balance, I think Japan will probably take this path every time. Yeah, there have been some there have been some big games, but there's some in a collection of meaningless games to a certain extent so far. But this is going to be ramped into or kicked into overdrive here very, very quickly. We got some great matchups ahead as we wind this down over the next four days. But when you do look at the six teams remaining, is it just pretty clear that this is the United States tournament to lose? Well, if you think about the way Major League Baseball has done things, it's like they've pretty much tried to do almost everything to reverse engineer uh, an American pathway in, into the Final Four. Uh, but look, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for them uh, in uh, in Venezuela. The next round, that Venezuelan team really emerged, and uh, like a lot of a lot of people would have guessed that the Dominican Republic was going to, you know just sort of plow their way through things the way Venezuela did. Uh, so that's going to be, uh, it's a definitely a tough matchup. And one game, it's anything can happen as time and again, this tournament has shown. Uh, but it's just hard to imagine the Americans not finding a way through, you know, even though that lineup isn't firing the way that it should. I mean, they're hitting a lot of balls hard, even when they aren't doing damage. And, you know, you'd think that eventually those guys will, will be able to come around because there's just no soft spots in that order. We're talking to Shai Davidi, author and baseball columnist for here at Sportsnet.ca. So let's talk a little Blue Jays because we're less than two weeks away from opening day. I don't know how, how that happened, but it snuck up on us here. I'm excited because uh, there's still some questions that need to be answered before opening day. And for you, where does that start? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure that there are a ton of questions. Like, I think it's I don't know if it's completely clear, but it certainly feels like Otto Lopez is going to be the final guy on the roster unless something shakes loose on the waiver wire that really intrigues them. You know, the Mitch White's progress bears watching, but, you know, all things being equal, I'd imagine he starts the season on the IL, just give him a little bit more time to build up, and then they just churn through some relievers. So you've got to figure out a reliever. Uh, and then it's just essentially another two weeks of, of don't get hurt. Right, you want to make sure that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in a good spot going in, and I'm sure there's a little bit of a sigh of relief from a lot of people in that front office that the Dominican didn't advance and they didn't have to deal with the should Vladdy play for the DR or not issue. So, you know, it's been really uh, there are always questions, and everyone's got to get their work in and their individual process. But from you know from 10,000 feet, this camp has really been essentially it's been four weeks so far of don't get hurt with another two more weeks of don't get hurt to come. <laughs> What's your level of um, cautious optimism with the way that you say Kikuchi has, you know, won our hearts over here as grapefruit MVP. We've been touting him <laughs> here, but I mean, there's a lot of uh, good things to take from it, but cautious optimism might be the best way to approach it. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, it's spring training. If you're looking at results, you're looking at the wrong thing, right? So, if you if you sort of break down the process, you're like, okay, there's a little bit more strike, there's a little bit more strike throwing. That's it's a result of some changes that he made in the off season that seemed to work, and it's playing. So can he carry that over now? So it's one thing to do it in the consequence free environment of spring training. Now the next test is like, okay, when the bell rings and it actually matters, can can he do the same thing? Can he repeat under those circumstances? So certainly some promise in the way that he's put this spring together and what's 
led to uh, some of the optimism around him. But I still think everyone around the Blue Jays is going to have a little bit of, okay, well, that's great. Now, now prove it in the regular season because, uh, you know, this this doesn't really matter at the end of the day. This is a, a building block, but this isn't the the foundation. So, uh, you know, the Blue Jays are going to be hoping that that translates. And I think Yusei Kikuchi for himself is going to he'd probably look at this and say, okay, this is a good start, but now now I've really got to prove it when it matters. Last one for you here, Shai. Um, I know you were first to talk about it with us, I believe, about James Click being hired as VP of Baseball Strategy for the Blue Jays. And it's been a couple of weeks since we spoke. I'm wondering if you have more insight on um, what he's, A, been doing or what the role will be when he, you know, starts getting involved here with the Toronto Blue Jays in that in that role that was a bit um, hard to maybe pin down in terms of when it was first announced, what what that would actually mean. I'm wondering if you have any more info on that. Not not a ton because I haven't uh, been with the team for for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, my understanding of what the Blue Jays want him to do, and like, I, I think a big part of this, like, you have to understand that the Blue Jays and baseball industry in general, like, there is a lot of you look at the teams around you, who's, who's really smart, who's doing, who, who seems to be doing things and getting better results than everybody else. And I think two of the organizations that immediately jump to mind for people are the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros. And those are the two organizations that James Click is from, right? He started his career with the Rays, went over to the Astros, won a world series with the Astros and the Blue Jays would for sure want to dig in into what he knows from those organizations and have him compare what the Blue Jays are doing to what those teams were doing and find like gaps or ways to push things further, uh, just ways to account for some of the differences between those teams and the Blue Jays to make what the Blue Jays are doing even better. And so I think that's a big part of his hiring. Obviously, anytime you can add someone really, really smart to your front office, you do that a hundred times. And, you know, the Blue Jays did that initially with, uh, with Ben Sherrington when he was available. And then Sherrington ended up getting the Pirates job when that came open a few years later. And I'd imagine that this is probably the same trajectory for, for Click, is that James Click will come here. He'll learn from the Jays. They'll learn from him. And then when uh, a position's opened up down the road, James Click will end up with, uh, with another organization. So uh, I think that's sort of how to look at, look at his role. Uh, the Blue Jays want to find ways to close any potential gaps that may exist between the processes that they have, that the, those of the Rays and the Astros. And, and James Click is, in, in some ways, the perfect guy to help them identify that and, and push forward. It seems like the Blue Jays have made a conscious approach at some different additions this season in terms of him and Mattingly and getting rid of the home run jacket and maybe more of a serious approach to this season ahead. Shy, I appreciate you joining us this morning. Enjoy the rest of the tournament if you're going to be down there and get ready for opening day in less than two weeks. Yeah, it's coming up quick. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs> you as well. Thanks, Shy. That's Shy Davidi, author and baseball columnist for Sportsnet.ca. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. So we got a couple things to do before the break, or do you want to save it? But uh, I did want to bring up one text that we got because uh, we were talking about how you know the Q banning fighting, a fight at major or a ban on fighting in major junior affecting some players' chances of making the NHL. I think the best example was brought to our attention as a possibility. Arbor Jacki, 
Uh, he made some waves at the start of the season this year with the Montreal Canadiens. He was not necessarily a touted prospect coming up. He did dominate Memorial Cup level hockey uh, as recently as I think it was last year. Um, and that kind of showed that he was definitely mm-hmm. more than a fighter, but definitely a physical guy who was not a Cam is prospect who could fight, can fight, and probably helped his path to get to the NHL maybe quicker than anyone anticipated, given that he was not really uh, necessarily pegged as a surefire prospect. So, yeah, I can kind of hear that argument for sure on Jack Guy. I think he was going to get there anyway because he kind of maybe late bloomer a little bit and showing his best stuff uh, at the end of his major junior career. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to affect players. I just don't know how big of an impact it's going to be. It could impact that one kid's future career justin you know what else could impact a kid's future what getting knocked out cold by a 20 year old who's four years older certainly could just saying uh, i talked about it before we brought shy on about zoom now don't get uh panicked when you hear that word folks we're not head back that way i hope but zoom is making their way from the office to the baseball broadcast starting with the 2023 season Zoom will be integrated into baseball broadcasts on MLB Network and Apple TV Plus, allowing viewers to watch umpires connecting with the MLB Replay Operations Center in an effort to provide transparency to fans in critical game moments. So a little bit of a pulling back the curtain at how umps discuss with the baseball operations and the broadcasts and how tough decisions are made. And this is interesting because, well, umpiring and officiating have been a hot topic forever, but specifically as of late with some missed calls and some discussions between the NHL, at least maybe adding more video review, but umpires now um, maybe allowing, and the MLB allowing fans to watch in on some of these critical moments. So someone actually said yes when asked, you want to jump on a Zoom? Because... That's a no from me, dog. That is is a no from me. My Zoom etiquette might have been the worst in the history of professional business. Oh, you're definitely camera off. I I was camera off. I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this every time. I want to just lay on the couch and do the Zoom call. I don't necessarily want to have a look from, you know, the high up, double chin action. Do we really need to be seeing each other every day on Zoom? And I don't really know if we need to be seeing umpires and officials talk really? on Zoom you, you all the time. You don't think that this will provide at least a l- level of understanding and less I guess, but is aggressive it, it's kind of black tweets? and white, isn't it? Like, what are, they, what, are they, what do they do on challenges? Okay, you, did you hit the bag first? I mean, we can all mm-hmm. see that. Do you guys have to? Well, there's definitely missed calls. What do you mean? Like, there's there's certainly calls but that are missed I just in think, MLB. I just think the MLB fixes these calls more effectively than anyone else, and there's not a great deal of, like, hey, we need transparency with this. No, you hit the bag before the ball hit the back of the glove. Like, I, I don't know. It kind of feels like the NBA where they got that little camera set up, and now it's like a little performance art rather than just telling us what happened or telling the players or coaches what needs to be done or what's happening next. It's, what would be nice It's is, all a little performative What would me, be nice is... Uh, discussions or you know how they do like the referee grades at the end of the the game or the ump grades like how many missed calls and how many you know strikes they missed oh, that some not... way to fix that one yeah i mean we know how to fix it though if you don't want human error mm-hmm. it's the electronic strike zone and i frankly am not here for the electronic strike zone where do you stand on that no i i agree i think well there's certainly pros to it like it's going to be black or white but there's human error in all all forms of sports right and sometimes you're on the winning side of it sometimes you're not and more often than not it's not that massive of a deal but already they're changing 
the pitch clock. They're changing a lot of things in baseball. I don't know if they need to do all of it in the same year, but I, I think there's a future where that's where we're at for sure. There's one thing I appreciate about baseball and like about baseball specifically or at least find cool from a strategic standpoint is how a pitcher has to diagnose an umpire on the go. Hmm. Like, cause some of them are different, right? Some of them have higher strike zones, lower strike zones, whatever. And a pitcher has to kind of figure out the strike zone on top of the opposition and great pitchers can do that. And I actually think if we're taking, if we're talking about like taking tools away from players, if you want to loosely connect our QMJHL discussion. I think that's taking a tool away from a pitcher that can look at the situation, look at what an ump's tendencies might be, and use that to their advantage. I think that's a cool thing about baseball that maybe people don't really discuss when talking about, you know, strike zones or robot umps or all that stuff. All right, a full day ahead um, Friday here with the NCAA basketball March Madness is underway. Your brackets are busted. Only 0.002% of brackets remain perfect. I'm surprised it's that many. Sorry, how much? 0.002396, whatever it is. I guess those, what, quadrillions? What was it? I forget what it was. Billions, trillions, I don't know. Something like that. I guess those those odds were pretty correct. 0.002675% of perfect brackets remain. (laughs) That is a still a stunning amount of perfect brackets. But. If you're in that group, you are going, like if you're in an office pool, you are walking in you're, with your yeah, chest so no popped chance. out today if you have a perfect bracket. You might not be going to ridiculous. work. You're just dialed in on the couch thinking, I'm going to win a billion dollars. You're turning your Zoom camera on because you oh, want yeah. people to see your face this morning. That's right. Um, we'll tee up a bunch of those. Daniele, who gave us some picks. There's an upset pick he has for today. I might be putting that in my dog of the day. We'll tee up Leafs and Hurricanes tonight. The women's tourney is also starting. And we have an update on NBA MVP odds, which might surprise you. All of that's next in the Wake and Rake. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is it. Final block of the Fan Morning Show on a Friday. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. I hope you enjoy a day full of March Madness, Maple Leafs and Hurricanes tonight, women's tourney starting, some World Baseball Classic as well. We've got a lot to tee up here in the wake and rake. Justin, you have some Where do you want to start? we got a smorgasbord to, right now. we got it all. You better get going. Want to start with the Norris Trophy? Yeah, you were just reading this during the break. Okay, so the Athletic uh, did a poll, NHL coaches, on who they think should win the Norris Trophy. Now, important note here, if you do a poll and you're polling those who vote on it, means a lot, obviously. (laughs) Like, we've seen this happen with straw polls in the NBA. We've seen it sometimes in the NHL, maybe less so, but... If the people voting on it are tell you who they telling you who they're going to vote for, it's probably pretty important. That's pretty important. <laughs> this is less important because we are we are polling the coaches here at the Athletic rather than the people who are going to vote on it, which is the Professional Hockey Writers Association. However, thirty coaches polled for this, and the results are staggered. Now, the Norris Trophy is the only award that really has any intrigue. If a lot of them had intrigue, we'd probably be talking about it all the time because I love them. And you can't really bet any of these right now, but the Norris Trophy still remains. You can probably vote for it. The favorite is Eric Carlson, and the votes kind of reflect that. He got 13 of the 30 first-place votes, which, you know, if you're getting 13 first-place, you're going to get a bunch of seconds. You're going to get a bunch of thirds. That puts you as a minus 300 favorite. I think that makes a lot of sense. However, it's interesting who's below Carlson 
Josh Morrissey got seven of those votes, just six behind Eric Carlson. He is third in the odds. He could be probably fourth or fifth in, in other places. I'm fourth in the odds at plus 11.50. Yeah, so, that uh, I mean, the Jets are kind of withering away here down the stretch here. I, I don't know if he's got a strong, like, final 15 games or whatever it is, and I don't know if the Jets are even going to make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. They're not gonna, he's not winning this award. Mm-hmm. However, if he's a star, a rock star, gets them into the postseason position, maybe there's something there because there's already a lot of people who think very, very highly. Again, these are the coaches, not the people who actually vote on it. It's. I think it's notable that he's second because second in the odds, I think you're seeing that, Adam Fox. Yeah, plus 700. If you got an Adam Fox ticket right now, he got one vote, one vote out of Oof. 30. Again, reminder, not the people who vote on it, but that's how Adam Fox is at least viewed internally among NHL coaches. Only one of 30 put him as the Norris winner. I think that's important. Maybe if you have a big Adam Chris Fox Darlene ticket. He got two first place votes. So I'm seeing Carlson minus 335, Fox plus 700. Dalene plus 850 and Morrissey 1150. So maybe a little value on Morrissey. If there's anything we learn there, yeah, maybe definitely a little value on maybe him. value on Morrissey, although it seems like Eric Carlson is in control here. But if something happens, if he doesn't get the 100 mm-hmm. points, if he gets hurt, whatever, you might need the second. Uh, especially if you're holding a Carlson ticket, you might want to safeguard yourself against an injury or something happening. But if you have Adam Fox at a big number and you think he's going to win, you might want to think about, I don't know if there's a cash out option, if there's a second bet you can make. I'm not really sure, but I think it's important to note that Carlson's getting the love from the coaches mm-hmm. and that Fox isn't necessarily getting that love. How about Morgan Riley plus 20,000? <laughs> just five bucks? There are some names on here that's like, what are we? Just, just, just trying to trap you. every single they're just, hockey they're player. They're just hoping Morgan Riley like nets a hat trick tonight and someone's like, I wonder what his odds are. Jacob Chikrin? Plus 50,000. 50,000. I mean, I, I'd take Chickren over Riley right now. Just the narrative alone. So, the, right. so the, the eight defensemen who got votes, Carlson 13, Morrissey 7, McCarr 3, Darlene and McAvoy 2, Lindholm, Fox, Spurgeon 1. Jared Spurgeon. What's his Jared odds? Spurgeon? He's not even in here. Plus 20,000 as well. There you go. Somebody he's, likes Spurgeon. He's a better bet than Morgan Riley. That's for sure. Okay, one more. Because things could change quickly, as you're about to mention. Yeah, one more trophy thing here, or one more award thing. We got a new NBA MVP. I can't say that. It's really tough. NBA MVP leader, at least in terms of the shortest odds. The shortest odds now to win the MVP in the NBA is Joel Embiid. We've been talking about presumptive winner, three-time winner, Nikola Jokic, the entire season, and I'm kicking myself here because we have seen two games where the Nuggets have looked bad, where Jokic has looked ordinary, and I'm thinking to myself this whole time, like, because I got some Jokic, and I'm thinking, is it, should we be looking somewhere else here? Like, he doesn't look all that special. People are going to start talking about him more and more, and I just ignored it thinking, there's no way. I mean, this is how he, this is just a couple off games. It's OG and Obi, and he's going to dominate and his stats look good. Anyway, it's not going to have any impact. But all of a sudden, on a little skid here, Denver did win last night, Joel Embiid has mm-hmm. taken control of the MVP race. And I think he's going to get a lot of the narrative play because, well, it's twofold. Not a lot of people, or some people are reluctant, to give three awards, three MVPs, to one guy, the same guy who might not be in the same breadth of a Jordan or a Kobe or whatever, or a Shaq. It's Jokic doing it and not some of the other legends that have come through this game. But also, are you got, not going to award Joel MVP or MVP? 
Joel Embiid for being such name. a brilliant player forever? Or is he never going to get to win one because Giannis was better two years Buddy, in a row and then my, Jokic was better three years in a row after that? Who was my future's preseason MVP pick? Did you bet Joel it? Embiid at Did plus you bet it? 600. Did you bet it? Yep. There you I'll go. show you the so, ticket. So Embiid, nice Embiid is now big time in play for MVP. It's something to watch because we actually have a race down the stretch. Mm-hmm. I'm a little worried about my Jokic tickets. I might have to do something about this, and I'm kicking myself for not doing it sooner because the cracks in the case, the cracks in the foundation for the Jokic MVP case might have started with OG and Anobi, and we saw it, we witnessed it. I should have been more in tune with what was happening. I love that there's some movement in it because nothing worse than just knowing things with weeks left in play. So I like this little dad there, Norris and NBA MVP. We need a poll. We need someone to say, this is who we're voting for. Yeah, and we know. need to rush to our sports books and bet it. Okay, so uh, full day of NCAA as well. Yesterday we talked to Daniele, and he had a couple picks, um, mainly being Kennesaw State today. They will also be my wake and rake selection. Not just because of Daniele, but they've been a popular, not ups, well, upset pick in a sense, but even to cover the spread. So it's plus 12 and a half there at Xavier. There's lots of Kennesaw love. There's a lot of Kennesaw love. 12 and a half is a big line. We saw upsets yesterday, but we saw some closer games than we thought. Um, so I'm actually just going to start and I'm going to put Kennesaw State plus 12 and a half in my wake and rake pick today. Uh, we have some love for the, MB, uh, the NCAA in our text line as well. So we can cycle through some of those, but the action kicks off. Nice and early there, and so you get a full day of viewing, um, starting with USC and Michigan State at 12.15. USC's one of my dogs of the day, too. There you go. Is it the official so bunker, I have, bunker I, play of the day? My bunker play of the day, I have two dogs for you, money line dogs. Because Kennesaw's, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to put them as my money line dog. I'm going to put them as my fade or uh, uh, the, the spread. My two dogs of the day, VCU and USC. My bunker dog of the day, plus 145 and plus 110. Not the biggest of dogs, but they're dogs, so. Okay, so it's two upset specials from Bunker, and you are taking the points with Kennesaw State. That's right. Kennesaw, Kennesaw State, State, plus 12 and a half. Uh, as your wake and rake selection. I'm going to be betting the World Baseball Classic this Wow, weekend, it's our first time in the wake yeah. and rake. Let's I'm going to be betting the World Baseball Classic all weekend, and I'm going to include it in our parlay today. I'm going to be fading Japan, probably. I'm going to take the plus against whoever they play once they play because they are traveling from Japan to play in Florida, and I can't imagine that won't have some effect on them. Hey, we're going to play in the middle of the night now. (laughs) That's tough. Or we're going to play at 4 in the morning now. Do you want to play baseball when you get up and and do this show? Uh, I always want to run through a brick wall and do whatever. Okay, so maybe you're the exception, and maybe Shohei Otani will be the exception, but I don't know (laughs) if everyone on that team is Ailish and Otani level. So I'm going to try to fade the the Japanese when we get to that point. We don't even know their opponent yet. They're still on their way over to the United States, so just going to be looking at that later. I'm also going to play the U.S. on Saturday, minus 140 against Venezuela. I mean, the U.S.? At near a pick'em, near-ish a pick'em, I think the U.S. is going to roll here and win the tournament. So I'm going to be playing them against Venezuela on Saturday. But tonight, I'm it. going with a WBC legend. Marcus Stroman won the MVP of the World Baseball Classic in 2017 for the United States. In 2023, he's going to be on the bump for Puerto Rico. Tonight against Mexico, Mexico's been one of the darlings of the tournament. Randy Rosarena might be the MVP so far of the tournament, but I think Marcus Stroman is going to have another WBC moment, this time for Puerto Rico in today's do-or-die clash versus Mexico. Puerto Rico minus 110 on the money line. Stroman versus Urias. I'm taking Stroman in the battle 
of Puerto Rico and Mexico. So that's really nice because I have Puerto Rico in our pool and you have Mexico in our pool. So that I mean, helps I can't, me a little bit. I can't bit. have every single semifinalist, so I'll give you one. That helps me out a little bit, so I appreciate that. Okay, so so far we've got uh, already an alt parlay. Um, Kansas State plus 12 and a half, Puerto Rico on the money line. Let's go through some of our anchor submissions. Um, Corey from Port Hope says, sorry I'm late. I love NCAA back sh- a basketball action, Pittsburgh plus four and a half today for my wake and rake pick. They are playing Iowa State at 310 p.m. Iowa State. I don't have any Iowa State takes. That's all right. Pitt, Let's Pitt keep going. did have the benefit of playing in, right? They were a playing team, I believe. So they've got one tournament game under their belt, which mm-hmm. may be a bit of an advantage. Uh, let's go to just Jeff in Barry. Uh, Yak was great last night for us. He was late. I was a little worried about Yak and Pirtle mm-hmm. last night, but he did turn it on tonight. Just Jeff and Barry's going with Matthews under Austin Matthews under four and a half shots. I know you hate unders. The both of us, I think, hate unders. Mm-hmm. But leaf totals Life's too short to bet unders. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. But like, leaf totals are inflated in our market. And the last time we faced the Hurricanes, Matthews recorded exactly <laughs> zero shots. I will say that is. Uh, a pretty good piece of insight. You remember the David Ayers game? Remember what Carolina wanted to do? They wanted to suppress shots, and boy, did they ever suppress shots. When you have, when you're the type of team that's coached so well, the way Rod Brandenburg coaches a team, and you just decide, hey, we're going to protect some 45 year old who rides a Zamboni, and we're going to win with him. Yeah, you can suppress shots if you really want to. I don't think that's a bad play, but you're right. For us, life too short to bet unders. <laughs> Tyler from Peterborough. Sorry for bus chucking Justin than giving a wake and rake pick that missed big time. Today's pick, I'm taking Willie shots on goal over three and a half at plus 120. What was my pick yesterday? Oh, yeah, we have Boston regulation. Yeah. Boston regulation. There were uh, some crazy games in NHL last night. Did, that was an overnight. Except for the one game that I picked, um, which, yes, my streak has come to an end. No, no worries. We move on. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Neil from Newfoundland, who also got off the schneid yesterday. Actually, I think two in a row for Neil. Yeah, he's killing it this week. Uh, Yeah, he's definitely bounced back this week. Good morning. Big win from Sinner against Fritz. I think it went three sets. His top pick today is Maria Sakari, who he's had before, plus four and a half games against Sabalenka, minus 120. He's got another pick from the women's semi today, Rebekina, to win at least one set versus Fiontek at plus 100. And tomorrow on the men's side, a third pick from Neil for this weekend in the Indian Wells final, I believe. Carlos Alcarez minus one and a half versus Yannick Sinner, who he just uh, rode to victory over Mm -hmm. Taylor Fritz. So Alcarez on the spread, Reba Kina to win a set, and Sakari to cover four and a half against Sabalenka is Neil's unloading tennis picks for the weekend. And so Alcaraz beat uh, Felix, I believe, was it yesterday or two days ago? Alcaraz beat him last night. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that's tough, but a good showing from Felix. Um, for my wake and rake anchor, I'm going to take the homer pick and take the Leafs on the money line. That's Ali in Toronto. What is the line for the Leafs tonight? I, I will let you know in months. about five seconds. It is the Maple Leafs favorites in minus 122. Okay. So short favorites for the Maple Leafs. The over under is six. You don't normally get sixes in Maple Leaf games. However, this is Carolina. You mentioned last night, like, every team is an over. Carolina is the one under team Mm. in the NHL. Uh, So maybe we can consider that one. Okay, I got Ron and Juliana. Good morning for today's anchor, Dylan Brooks, under 14.5 points. That's Ron's. (laughs) Jules thinks Steph will have another big one tonight. She'll take his points over 29.5. NCAA picks, Kentucky minus 4.5. USC, 
yes. one of your yes. dogs over Michigan State. The dogs. And on Saturday, he likes Auburn plus five and a half over Houston. Interesting. Houston, Ooh. one of the tourney favorites. Houston has two key injuries. Auburn will be playing in a home game atmosphere. Interesting. Is wow. the game in Alabama? I believe Auburn's. Yeah, Alabama. I love Auburn to win tonight or to win outright in that game against Houston. Interesting. Could a, could a one seed fall? Happy St. Patrick's Day and enjoy the NCAA games this weekend. That's Ron and Juliana. I like USC over Michigan as well. So we're aligned there. Um, happy baby Saturday. I like that. Steven nice. Sutton. Today I'm feeling Sabres mining line. I lean to the over in that as well. Okay. Sabres are playing the Flyers. Two more here, Eric from Burlington. Good morning. Going with the Capitals in regulation. The Blues have won three of their last 13 games. Those three wins were against the Sharks and Blue Jackets. Bad, easy W for the Caps tonight. Two teams in a weird spot. Like the Blues are fully mailing it in. Are the Capitals mailing it in? Seems like at least from a hockey operations standpoint, they're mailing it in a little bit. But those Blues, like the, it's a bad vibe around the St. Louis Blues oh, right now. It's rough. It's real rough. Um, okay, we just got another one in here. Adrian from Burlington. Shout out to my boy Mike from Hamilton. Just letting him know Raptors won't make the playoffs. Oh. And beat over points, assists, and rebounds. Leafs money line. Atlanta Hawks minus three and a half. And Grizzlies minus nine and a half. Yeah, do we start playing Embiid now that he's like get, oh, getting like a little that. MVP love? Like, he wants, like to, he wants to chase down stats? That's certainly an option. Interesting. Uh, Leafs money line. Atlanta Hawks three and a half. Grizzlies nine and a half. Let's stick with Embiid. Okay, last one. Uh, if you took Denny McCarthy yesterday in the three ball, it was another W. This is Jared from Halifax. In today's three ball, this is our PGA specialist mm-hmm. coming through. Justin Thomas, my guy in the Valspar Fan X Cup. <laughs> it's the Valspar Championship. Uh, he'll take Justin Thomas over JT Poston and Joel Damon. Joel Damon being on your team. So Justin mm-hmm. Thomas, I think I saw it about minus 110. I was looking at that earlier. Minus 110 over JT Poston and Joel Damon. How are we doing in Valspar, by the way? Want a little Valspar update? I think we're going to have it looks like we might a have real some, strong collection a, a of guys here. who make the cut. You have Jordan Spieth, Sam Burns, uh, who are one shot off the lead and three shots off the lead, respectively. Right. I've got Adam Hadwin, who's also two under, same as Sam Burns. Justin Thomas, also two under. Davis Riley, also two under. So I, I got a couple guys sniffing around. But you got the guy in the best position right now, Jordan Spieth. I do hear... Lots of golf left. It's going to be windy this afternoon. Might be tough on the guys who are off this afternoon. Spieth's off in the afternoon. Hadwin off in the afternoon. Ooh. Burns off in the afternoon. Justin Thomas also in the afternoon. And that's, Davis Riley. That's where so Wyndham most, Clark shines, though. Wyndham Clark's in the morning. So he, he loves might, the wind. He, he might not have to deal with the wind uh, this morning. So maybe our guys are going to... Be a little shaky today. Hopefully they can hold on, play into the weekend, and give us a Sunday sweat. Okay, so we got to pick our parlay piece. Uh, we have some Matthews undershots, Willie overshots, Leafs on the money line, multiple picks for that. If you want to go Leafs, uh, yeah, or I you want to just ride them and beat here. We could do Leafs money line. I think the ch- the the choice is David Barry Leafs money line or Embiid. Over points, assists, and rebounds from Adrian and Burlington. Those We've are- never picked Adrian and Burlington. I'll say that because I don't think Adrian Burlington's been in here much. So welcome. I kind of like what he's going for. They're playing the Hornets. It fits our narrative. Points, assists, and rebounds. I guess the only worry it's like 51 is that one and a half. Ooh, so high. I guess the only wor- oh, the worry is fifty one and a half, maybe. But a concern might be, hey. You know, you're, we've we you're already up by sit so the whole much. fourth quarter. You don't need to do much. However. This is the opportunity to put on the stats that you need to win an MVP. If you're playing the Hornets, Embiid could do probably whatever he wants for however long he wants to play. I don't mind it even at 51 and a half. Your choice. 
What's one of the rules? You play the highest over, you go with over on the highest over, you go under on the lowest under. Let's go high on the big point total. Big rebounds, assists, point total. Joel Embiid over 51 and a half. Okay, let's lock it in here. Puerto Rico on the money line against Mexico tonight. Kennesaw State plus 12 and a half against Xavier. Joel Embiid over 51 and a half points, assists, and rebounds. Our wake and rake for your Friday, St. Patrick's Day. The luck of the Irish plus 655. <laughs> It's a full alt parlay with the NCAA Truly. tournament going on. So just separate the two uh, competing uh, sports right now. Your dogs of the day, VCU and USC um, women's tournament starts as well. Looking for a South Carolina is minus favorites to win the tournament. So Imagine being minus favorites it's actually in outrageous. a NCAA tournament. There's like what, 62 Probably a pretty good teams? Squad over there. 64. <laughs> and you are minus favorites to win. That's when it's upset city for me. I think it'll be UConn. If anyone's going to challenge them, it's UConn. But that's not saying much because it's basically the, the number two odds. Okay. But I'm looking forward to a full day of sports, full weekend of sports. We've got Valspar. We've got WBC. And we got Leafs and Canes. We didn't talk much Leafs today. What do you, you know, Canes, then Senators. What are yeah. you looking for this weekend when it comes to the Maple Leafs? I think that's, they got to get two wins there. Two wins. Two wins. They just had two losses. Sabres was a messy one. Colorado was a good, hard-fought, playoff-esque loss in shootout. I think they can string together two good ones here, one at home, one away. You know, obviously the Sens always play real hard against Maple Leafs, the Battle of Ontario. Hurricanes are a fun team, but they're coming off a pretty serious injury to one of their stars. So, you know, maybe take advantage of a team that's a little depleted. I want to see good goaltending performances. It might not have to be two wins. It might not have to be three of four. I, maybe one and one's fine. But what I would like to see, because Ilya Samsonov is not taking his foot off the gas pedal. I would like to see a response and answer something to put up a fight. If you're Matt Murray, maybe a good effort, maybe a good showing against mm. your former team. The one that traded you discarded you basically. If he plays you like you, you accepted assets in order to get Matt Murray. Yeah. If he plays is a big, is a big question, but I would love to see Matt Murray have a quality start, some positivity around that storyline. But of course that doesn't come at the expense of Ilya Samsonov. I want him to have another big performance and continue to prove why he's the guy in the driver's seat when it comes to the playoffs and game one, uh, when it comes to the Maple Leafs crease, I want to see good goaltending from the Maple Leafs because it's not really about results. It's about the process right now and getting to the finish line. And I just want to see some good stuff, some positive vibes on a Monday talking mm -hmm. about the Leafs goaltending situation. They'll be wearing their green for St. Pat's today. So that's a special one. It'll be a little bit of Christmas vibe out there, green and red between the Canes and the Leafs. Tomorrow against Ottawa on the road. You got Raptors as well back in action tomorrow against the Minnesota Timberwolves. All weekend long, lots of, lots to set up. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. And shout out to Nick for filling That's in right. for uh, Daniele today. Daniele on the couch watching some basketball. He did that yesterday. Nick there you go, was Nick. awesome. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Uh, everybody have a wonderful St. Patrick's Day, a great weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday.